0: Thank you. My mom tells me I can't hold down a job. 2017 is here. Happy New Year. I'm sure you made some resolutions. I know I did. 2017, January 1st, I told my wife, I said, we got to lose some weight. I got to lose some weight. I said, baby, you look great, but I got to lose some weight. So I said, uh, Jen, I I need to get rid of all the junk food in the house. Okay, we got to get rid of it. It's junk food. I I didn't think I could do it, but I did. I was able to eat all the junk food that was in the house. It's gone. We got rid of it. Um, 2017 is here, and whether you know it or not, uh, what God wants for you in 2017 is to blow your mind. To blow your mind with who He is. God wants to blow your mind not only with who He is, but He wants to blow your mind with what He's going to do in you and what He's going to do through you. And if we're going to experience all that God has for us, if we're going to experience who God is, And if we're going to experience what God has for us, we need to live for God's glory. We need to be about God's glory. And if we do, stand by to stand by. Because in 2017, God would transform you. God would sustain you. And God would use you. Oh, God has some great things for you. But if you're anything like me, you easily make life about anything other than Than God's glory. You make life about yourself, about your comfort, about your feelings, your security, your job, your family, your future plans. You quickly take your eyes off of God and begin to live for something other than God's glory. Our passion for Him and His glory begins to wane. Our zeal for Christ slowly slips away. Our fire for Christ begins to die down. We easily fall into sin. We become overburdened. We become discouraged. We just want to give up. But what we need is to rekindle our passion for God's glory. What we need is for God himself to come and set our hearts aflame for him. And today, God would do just that. Today, God would reveal himself to you and set your heart aflame. Today, God would do a work in you to give you a new passions, new purpose, and a, and a heart for him and his glory. This morning, God would rekindle your passion for his glory. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18-18. Through 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18-21. through 21. As we rekindle your passion for his glory, and I'll briefly pray. Father God, I thank you for this, this opportunity to be with your beloved. I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to take a look into your word. I pray this morning you would do a work in our hearts. You would open our eyes to see how great and awesome you are so that we can go forth and live for you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. I'll be reading from the ESV if my translation is a little different than yours. Verse 18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the, me- the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him who knew no sin. He, excuse me. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness I just want to set up the context here. Uh, Before we get to verse 18 in chapter 5, Paul in chapter 4, 3, 2, did I do that right? 4, 3, 2, right? All the way back in chapter 2, Paul began to kind of talk about some of his trials, some of his setbacks. And then through chapters 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, Paul explains that no matter what came his way, no matter the trial, no matter the setback, he was on fire. Christ. He had a passion for God's glory. And in verses 18 through 21 here, he explains the secret. He explains what it is that he used to rekindle his passion at any time for God's glory. And he tells us it was God's character. He tells us it's God's work. He tells us it's God's purposes. That's the secret to rekindling our passion for God's glory. So let's look at chapter 5, verses 18 through 21 of 2 Corinthians, and rekindle our passion for his glory. To rekindle your passion for glory, the first thing, point one, the first thing we need to do is refocus on God's character. The first thing, point one, we need to do to rekindle our passion for God's glory, say it with me, refocus. We'll try that again. The first thing we need to do, say it with me, is we need to refocus on God's character. The thing that empowered, instilled, and inflamed a passion for God's glory in Paul was God's character, was God's character. Look at verse 18. All this is from God. All this, all these are from God. What is he talking about? What is this? What are these things that are from God? Well, he's talking about everything in the verses before it and everything in the verses after it. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about your justification He's talking about redemption, transformation, the hope you have in Christ, the victory you have over sin, the new life you've been given, the new purposes you have, your forgiveness, your faith, your favor. All this is from God. Well, if this is all from God, then what do I add? There's a a, a word in Spanish that is used to describe what it is you, you add to all this. The word is nada. You add nothing. You add nothing to who God is. You add nothing to what God has done. It's kind of like thinking we just had Christmas. At Christmas, I got all these presents. And and how foolish it would be for me to think that Christmas was about me. Because I got presents. No, 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 no. Christmas is about Christ. It's about what Christ has done. And so the same, how foolish would it be for us to think because we get blessings from God. It's about us. No, 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 no. We get blessings because of who God is and what he's done. We don't add anything to who God is, and we don't add anything to what he's done. It's all from God. It's all from God. If, if you have a pen, circle that phrase. Just circle that phrase. It's all from God. Not only is he talking about the things in verses before it and verses after it, but he's talking about all the things from back in chapter 2. All the trials... All the setbacks. He's saying, listen, it's all from good. It's all from God. All the good and all the... He says, it's all from God. All the good and all the... All the bad. It's all from God. It's all from God. Because everything starts with God and everything ends with God. My challenge for you then is whatever comes your way in 2017, whether it be good or... Make it about God. Make it about God, not you. Because our God is sovereign, our God is enough, and he is sufficient. And this is all from God. But here's a little help. When the storms come, when the trials come, remember this is all from God. And here's three things you have to remember. Three things. One, our God is powerful, all powerful. You know what that means for you? Your God is in control of the situation. Your God is in control of this situation. Second, remember this. He's all loving, meaning your God has your best interest at heart, meaning whatever you're going through, God's in control of it. And two, it's for your good. And the third thing I have to always remember is not only is God in control, not only is God loving, but he's also all wise, meaning this is the best plan there is. This is the best plan there is. God's in control. It's for your good, and it's the best plan there is. So whatever comes your way, Trust the Lord in everything because everything is from the Lord. All we have is from God because of who God is, including our reconciliation. Look at verse 18. Our reconciliation is rooted and tied to the very character of God. Verse 18. All this is from God who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself. The word reconciliation, God reconciles You know what that word, the the word reconciliation simply means? It can mean a lot of things, but in this context, it means exchange, exchange. God is an exchanging God. Everyone say exchange. Exchange. I like exchanging things. When I get Christmas presents, I get sweaters. They're always too small. I go and I exchange them. I exchange them for something completely different. I get books because books never get tight on me. Okay, I exchange them. And you know what? I, I love Costco. Because you don't even need receipts to make exchanges. And I bet you so does God. Because our God is an exchanging God. He makes exchanges. You see, the one who was offended is the one who actively seeks you and makes an exchange. He exchanges hostility for peace. He exchanges sin for righteousness. He exchanges death for life. He exchanges despair for hope. And he exchanges condemnation for acceptance. Our reconciliation is rooted in God in his character. Not only is our reconciliation rooted in him, verse 18 says our purpose in life is also rooted in him. It's tied to his character. Look at verse 18. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Our purpose in life finds meaning in his character. It's so easy to lose focus on who God is. It's easy to make our focus about anything and everything other than who God is. We can focus on our pain. We can focus on our plans. We can focus on ourself. It's easy to make things about us, about this life, about this world. But if anything occupies our hearts and our thoughts, other than the thought of God, other than who he is, our passion for his glory, our passion for him, will slowly slip away. And when you are fighting to keep your marriage together, when you are exhausted raising your child, when your purity is giving way to temptation, and when life is just too much, refocus on his character. Let his character sustain you. Let his character keep you in perfect peace. Let his character fire you up to be the person that he has called you to be. When I think of fired up guys in the Bible, uh, I I think of some people. Who do you think of when when you you hear stories? Who are some of the fired up guys in the Bible? Paul? Who else? Elijah? Who else? Moses, Daniel. You know what they all had in common? They all saw who God was. They all saw his character. And when I think of the fired up guys in the Bible, the one guy that I come to mind comes to my mind is Isaiah. You see, Isaiah was standing there, and he saw the glory of the Lord, and he saw the holiness of God, and he trembled, and he fell down. But you know what also? He saw the holiness of God, but he also saw the grace and mercy of God as the, the, the work of the altar forgave him. He saw the graciousness of God. He saw the holiness of God. He saw the character of God. And you want to know what the result was? The result was fired him up. When God said, who shall we send? What was the response? You know, I, I think of, a, of a, that, that fifth, fifth grader little girl in the back, and the teacher asked the question that she knows the answer to, and the little girl's like, ooh, me, 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 teacher. Well, I see Isaiah. When they said, who shall we send? I see Isaiah. Send me, Lord. Send me. Oh, Lord. Right here, right here. Send me. He was on fire for the Lord because he got a glimpse of his character and nature. And if you focus on the character and nature of God, it will fire you up. It will rekindle your passion for his glory. What have you been focusing on? What have you been focusing on? It's time to start that fire again. It's time to rekindle your passion for his glory as you refocus on God's character. To rekindle your passion for his glory, you got to one, refocus on his character. And two, our second point this morning, to rekindle your passion for God's glory, you have to second, recall his work. Everyone say it. We have to recall, recall his work. Every book in the New Testament calls us to remember God's work because God's character is seen in his work. God reveals himself in what he does. As you see what God has done, it ignites a passion for his glory. And what has he done? Well, verse 19 tells us something. What does verse 19 tell us? (coughs) Verse 19 tells us that God has reconciled and forgiven you. Look at verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, We'll stop right there. We said that the word reconcile means what? It means what? Exchange. Exchange. God has exchanged. He's exchanged every sin. He's exchanged every failure. He's exchanged, excuse me, every trespass. He's made an exchange. And he's given you, he's exchanged it for the very righteousness of God. He's exchanged your sin for his righteousness. God does not count your sin against you. They are gone. They have been. God does not count your sin against you. They have been exchanged. We'll say it again. God does not count your sin against you. They have been Exchanged. exchanged. Write the word exchange there. Verse 19, exchanged. How many guys like tests? You like tests? I don't like tests. The problem with tests, I always get the wrong answer. Right? I get the wrong answer. See, but not, not, God doesn't give tests that way. What God does, God gives, you know, there's the test, and he gets the paper, and there's the A student. You all know him, right? He takes the A student, and he gets everyone right. He takes your answer, your test, my test. We've gotten everyone wrong. You have an F on yours. This A student over here has an A. You want to know what God does? He takes the A student's paper. He erases the A. He erases that guy's name. And he writes your name on it. He goes over to your paper, the one you got an F on, got everyone wrong. He erases your name, and he writes the A student's name on there. Do you know what we call that? Uh, Very good. Very good. (laughs) Close. Got that one wrong. (laughs) We'll wipe your name out and write someone else's name in there. We call that imputation. Imputation. And we see that in verse 21. It carries the same idea as exchange, but good job. (laughs) Verse 21. Let's look at verse 21 where it tells us and defines what imputation is, where God does make a exchange. Look at verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, Christ takes all our sin. Christ takes all our punishment and makes a... Exchange and gives us all the righteousness of God. He gives us the righteousness of Christ. You know, you think of a guy who is thirty five thousand dollars in debt. He's in trouble. The mob's looking for him because he owes the mob thirty five thousand dollars and he's got no money. But Bill Gates hears about it. He's the richest guy around, right? Bill Gates hears about it and says, "Steve, I hear you. Uh, you got some trouble. Uh, thirty five thousand dollars in debt." So Bill Gates writes a check. What happens to my debt? He writes a check for $35,000. So how much do I have in my bank account now? No, no, no. I I paid the debt. How much do I have in my bank account now? And most of us stop there when we think about Christ's work. We say, I had a debt. I had a debt. And Christ, forgive me. And we say, amen. But there's so much more. There's so much more to the story. Just like the guy who came and paid the $35,000 debt. There's so much more to the story. Because not only he says, your debt was what? $35,000? Here you go. I'll pay that debt. I got something more for you. I'm going to write your name on my bank account. Bill Gates gives you his bank account. Your name on Bill, uh, is now on Bill Gates' bank account. So how much is in your, in your bank account now? Lots. And that's what Christ does. Christ does more than just forgive you of your sin. He does more than just clean your debt. He credits you his righteousness. He credits to your account the very righteousness of Christ. Notice then. This is all dependent upon Christ and his work and his righteousness. You've been forgiven, and Christ has credited you his righteous. Your level of sin, then, is irrelevant. Your level of work is irrelevant because Christ's work is all that matters. His righteousness is all that matters. His work is enough. His righteousness is enough because Christ is enough. Sing it. Christ is enough for me. Okay. So you can stand here today and be as righteous as Christ is. I need a volunteer who's trusted Christ longer than two seconds, who's been trusting Christ longer than two seconds. I need a volunteer. I need a volunteer. Don't all raise your hand at once. I need a volunteer. Someone who's trusted Christ. Oh, thank you so much, sir. I appreciate that. Come on up. Yeah, come on up. Come on up. What's your name? Give him a hand. Give him a hand. What's your name? Kevin. Kevin. Great to meet you, Kevin. My name's Steve. You. What's that? No. Have you trusted Christ? Yes. How long? Uh, 25 years. 25 years. I got news for you. Do you understand? That there is. Look around this room. Look at the senior pastor. Okay? There is nobody in this room that is more righteous, more holy than you. you want to know why? Can't imagine. Because Christ's righteousness has been credited to your account. So that when God looks down from heaven, you know what he says? He looks at you and says, That is my son with whom I am well pleased. Because he sees the righteousness of Christ, not your sin. And that's where you stand before God. And thank you so much. And that's where everyone stands before God when they've trusted for their sin. They stand before God as righteous. Not because of anything they've done, but because of Christ's work because of what God has done. But too often instead of looking at our own, excuse me, instead of looking to Christ and God's work, what do we look to? We look at our own work. We look at our own work, not his. We look at how much we think we don't sin or we look at how often we do sin, what our failures, how often we come to church, how often we don't come to or we look at all our efforts and we try and set some type of measurement standard there. And one of two things happen, both with the same result. We either, one, begin to look down at other people and judge them because they're not measuring up to me, right? Look at me. Look at all the great things I, I do and look at the bad things I don't do, right? We start looking down at other people. Or you start looking down upon yourself. You start feeling the burden and guilt of sin already removed because you look at other people. And you see how, how, how they're doing compared to how where you're at. But both will end up with the same result. The result will be that your heart for Christ will grow cold. The, heart, the, the, the result will be that your passion and your fire will fade out because you're looking at your own work and not his. I like to travel. Anyone else like to travel? I like to travel, but I don't get out much. There's a problem. Anyhow, if I was to travel, i I want to go to the Niagara Falls. You guys ever in Niagara Falls? I hear it's very pretty, very beautiful. Uh, the Out Mountains. I, I I hear it's breathtaking, right? Uh, I I uh, where's some Grand Canyon? I heard the Grand Canyon is pretty. Wow. And when I go to these places or even when I go to the sunset here in Huntington Beach and the beautiful sunset, there's some piece of equipment I always take with me. And I bet you know, I bet you're with me and you to take it too. You know what I'm talking about, right? I always take this with me when I go to these beautiful sites to take a look at. I I bring a mirror. And the reason for that is I stand before a beautiful sunset. When I stand in front of Niagara Falls, when I stand at the the, the tip of, uh, of the Grand Canyon, this breathtaking sight, I like to do this. And that's what we do with Christ. And that's what we do with his work. Rather than focus on the work of Christ, you're looking in a mirror. You're looking in a mirror, and the result is it's killing our passion for his glory. So rather than looking in a mirror, rather than bringing a mirror to these places, what do we need to bring? We need to bring a camera. And rather than looking in a mirror, we need to be looking into who Christ is and what he's done for us. And that will ignite your passion. Instead of recalling all that God has done for us, we rather look in a mirror and look at ourselves. Instead of recalling the fact that God has chosen you when you were in sin, that he adopted you, that he redeemed you, that he made you holy, that he gave you peace, that he's predestined you, that he made you fit for service, that he gave you an eternal inheritance, that he loved you, set you on eternal rock, given you access to him, instead of looking at all that and standing in awe of him, you want to see how you're doing compared to the next guy. Now, look, I'm not saying we, we don't examine ourselves. I'm not saying we don't look where we have sinned in our lives and we address. What I'm saying is we don't look at ourselves to find our standing before God. We look to Christ and his work for our standing before God. What do you think the Christian faith is about? I'll tell you what it's not about. It's not about my work. The Christian faith is about what God has done and what he will do. That's the Christian faith. And so do you find yourself looking to yourself? Do you find yourself looking to yourself? Examine yourself today and tell me. If you, anyhow. Do you find yourself looking at what you do and your efforts? Hear me, we're headed for trouble. The work of God is enough to redeem you. The work of God is enough to reconcile you. The work of God is enough to forgive you. And what we need to do is recall his work. His work is enough to have you stand righteous before Him. His work. Christ sent His Son. Christ, sorry, God sent His Son. Christ took your sin, took your penalty, and gave you His righteousness. Have you been reconciled? If you haven't, do so today. Do so today. If you haven't trusted in Christ, call out to Him today to forgive you, to wash you clean, and to give you His righteousness and he will. And if you have done that, then continue to recall that work in your life, and it will rekindle your passion for his glory. If you've ever if been reconciled, recall that work, and it will rekindle your passion for his glory. To rekindle your, your passion for his glory, we said, one, you have to refocus on his character. Second, recall his work. And third, to, re- to rekindle our passion for God's glory, the third point is we have to receive his purposes. Everyone say, receive his purposes. receive his purposes. When you grasp the importance and significance of God's call on your life, it will ignite your passion. God has given you the greatest privilege, position, and purpose that any created being has ever been given. You see, he's made you his spokesman to proclaim his message in order to build his kingdom. Look at verse 20 through 21. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God has made you his ambassador. That is, you are his representative. You are God's representative. You speak. You have the opportunity to speak with the very authority of God. You have the opportunity to speak for God. We have five kids. When you have five kids, they fight all the time. Okay? And the trump card, it's my toy. Mommy said, no, no, I want to be up there. No, 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 no. Right? Always going back and forth. Always fighting. But the trump card, what they love to say to each other is what? Dad said, bum, 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 bum. Right? Because there's such authority when you say, Dad said. Well, even much more. You get to say, God said. You get to be a spokesman, an ambassador for God. And you get to proclaim his message. Look at verse 19. He has given you his message. Verse 19 says, He has entrusted you with his message. And trusting to us the message of reconciliation. This is the most important message of the world. The gospel of Christ is the most important message there is. And he said, Here you go. Go and tell. He's entrusted you with it. See, God's not like me. I, I don't entrust things very well. We have five kids, eight and eight-year-old is our oldest, our youngest is seven months. Our four-year-old likes to hold our seven-month-old. Daddy, can I carry him? Joshua picks up the baby, grabs her by her ankles and walks. And we're like, no, no, no. And we're hovering over him. But God's not like that. He says, go and trust it. Don't worry about dropping the message. Don't worry about tripping. Just go. He's entrusted you with it. For what purpose? To build his kingdom. Look at verse 20. Verse 20. Through us. To build his kingdom through us. See the word through us? Through God making his appeal Through us. God has entrusted you with his message. He's made you a spokesman, not because he needs you, but because of who he is. Because he wants to partner with you. Because he wants to partner with you in building his kingdom. He wants to work with you. He wants to work through you. Look at verse 1 of chapter 6. God working together. Working together with him. We work with God. You know, when we said when it comes to your salvation, when it comes to your transformation, when it comes to your standing before God, we said, it's all God. You do, what's the Spanish word? Nothing. God works with no one when it comes to your salvation. But when it comes to other people's salvation, God works with you. God partners with you and says, hey, Come alongside of me. I'm going to give you an eternal purpose. So I have eternal significance, eternal meaning. The work you're going to do here is going to last beyond the ages. Come partner with me, he invites us. He invites us to find eternal significance, eternal meaning and purpose in being his ambassador. Now we hear this a lot, right? Got to be a witness. Be a witness. We need a witness. Uh, Am I the only one that begins to feel the burden there? Am I the only one? Are you witnessing? Have you, witnessed? have you shared your faith with anybody today? I feel the burden. Oh, my goodness, okay. Right? I feel the burden. But isn't it like us, isn't it like humans, to take the greatest privilege in the world and turn it into a chore? To take the greatest opportunity there is and make it into a burden. You know, we love Disneyland. My family and I, we love Disneyland. We're always going to Disneyland. We have annual passes. And when we go to Disneyland, my kids always ask me. They say, Steve. They don't say Steve. They say, Dad. They say, Dad, can we get some ice cream? And I say, no, because I don't want to be $35,000 in debt. Okay, But one time a year, I say, yes. I have a Disney credit card, and I get points. And so I get Disney dollars. I get all this free money for for Disneyland because I spend using Disney credit cards to get points. right? So one time a year, I say, guys, listen. The word no doesn't exist today in Dad's vocabulary. Get whatever you want. And the first place we go is we get ice cream. I say, I want 27 scoops and whatever they're going to have, okay? <laughs> so we get all this ice cream. We get all this ice cream, and the kids are eating this ice cream, right? And, and, and they start to go, oh, Daddy, oh, oh, I can't eat all my ice cream. And I get to the point, I say, they say, Daddy, we're hungry. I say, eat your ice cream. Daddy, but we're hungry. Let's go, we don't want to eat. I say, listen, if you eat all your ice cream, then we can get lunch, right? <laughs> we turn a privilege into a burden. See, God has given you the greatest privilege. God is inviting you to the greatest blessing. God is inviting you to the greatest opportunity to have eternal significance, to have eternal meaning, to have eternal purposes. He is giving you the opportunity to partner with him and build the eternal kingdom of God. You get to build the kingdom of God. I remember 9-11. You guys remember 9-11? All over the world, all over America, police departments went and helped the cleanup. Why? Because they wanted to be part of something. I remember when we were in Illinois, a tornado came and swept through the town, destroyed the town, and everybody came to help. Why? Because they wanted to be part of something significant. Well, God is offering you something better, something greater, something more significant. It's to be a part of His work as He builds His kingdom. He's offering you the greatest significance we can find. So where do you find your significance? Where do you find your purpose? Is it in being a mom? Is it in being a teacher? Is it in being a doctor? Is it in running marathons? Or maybe you just shrug your shoulders and you're like, I don't know where I find my purpose. Well, God has something so much more for you. It's been said, all those who involve themselves in cooperating with God in building his kingdom find the highest purpose for living that is possible. The purpose that God has for you in representing him and proclaiming his message. And here's three easy ways to start. You're like, okay, how do I do this? How do I do this? Three easy ways. Get involved in a ministry at church. Beach Point is about building the kingdom of God. We are God's vessel in in proclaiming his message. So be a part of the work of Beach Point. Get involved in a ministry. Go talk to a pastor and say, hey, plug me in somewhere. Serve. Be a part of the kingdom effort. Here's another way you can do it. Take the 8 to 15 seriously. Identify 8 to 15 people in your life. Pray for them. And then invite them. Invite them into your life. Invite them to church. Invite them to your house. Just invite them. Invite them. Third, talk to someone. Talk to someone you know about what you heard this morning. Tell them, oh yeah, there was this fat preacher. He was talking about what God's work was. Tell them about God's work. Next week, oh yeah, that really good looking preacher. Here's what he said. Right. Talk about your sermons that you hear on Sunday mornings with the people you work with on Monday morning. Just talk to people about what you're learning, what God is teaching you. If you want to rekindle your passion for God's glory, we have to receive his purpose. We've seen the rekindle your passion. We have to refocus on God's character, recall his work, and receive his purpose. Today, God is calling you to something great. He is calling to ignite your passion for him. God is calling you to his character. God is calling you to his work. God is calling you to his purpose. He wants to fire you up. He wants to set you you on fire so that you can live for his glory. And in doing so, God would transform you. God would sustain you and God would use you. God is calling you. If you would turn to him, his work and his purposes, he would rekindle your passion for his glory. Let's pray. Father God, I come before you this morning and I praise you, Lord. I praise you for who you are. I praise you, God, because we know all things are from you. You're in control, Lord. I praise you, God, because our reconciliation is from you. I praise you, God, because our purposes in life are from you. I praise you, God, because you've done a great work. You've done the work so that we can have a relationship with you. And, Lord, I also praise you and thank you because you've given us an eternal purpose. I pray that everyone this morning, Lord, would go forth and refocus on who you are We would recall the great things you've done and we would go forth, Lord, and tell others how awesome you are and the very work you've done. In your name, Jesus, amen.